Hello and welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, the news editor. I am Monique Blocks, the assistant editor. And I'm Brittany Barger, the deputy editor. And this is a special podcast for a very special event because on June the 19th, 2020, we are celebrating the 10th wedding anniversary of Crown Princess Victoria and Prince Daniel of Sweden. There's going to be lots on the site throughout the day and on the social media. And we're going to have a chat about it now because it is one of those weddings that really sticks in the memory for many, many reasons, mostly because at the time it was billed as the biggest wedding that Europe's royalty had seen for three decades. It was a big event. Yeah. Well, you don't see uh, uh, an heir to a throne get married every every day. So uh, it was a pretty big deal. And they made a big, like a massive deal of it in Mm. Sweden. It was a, it wasn't just a, a day long celebration that it was a month long festivity with uh, what they called love Stockholm. And they really made the best of it. And I think people really were invested in it because she found she was marrying her personal trainer. They had gone through so much to be together and it was just a sweet love story and you could just see how happy they were throughout through the whole wedding I'm, it was just radiating happiness yeah it was a national event but with a very personal feel to it because as you said Mo she's the heir to the throne but she's also that kind of groundbreaking heir she's the mm. female heir to the throne the first of this contingent of women who will rule Europe in the 21st century Victoria's kind of the trailblazer and yeah. this was the first time we kind of seen a female heir to the throne marry for a very long time yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, she was, of course, made uh, heir only in uh, nineteen eighty, I believe. That's when the law came into force, and by then her brother had already been born. But so um, he was actually briefly crown prince for a while, but uh, they changed positions when the law came into effect. And uh, yeah, I, I believe there's a lot of pressure for her to find some. There was a lot of pressure for her to find someone who could support her in her duties, and I, and I know. Uh, he said in his wedding speech, I believe, that uh, he knew it was going to be difficult to support her in whatever was coming, but that he was ready for it. And, and I think um, she's really found the one who could do that for her. Yeah, because it, it was a very well-followed raw romance, wasn't it? Mm. If we go back to kind of the build-up to the wedding, so the wedding itself, 19th of June 2010, But of course, we'd had months and months, like you said, Brittany, of preparation, weeks of celebration before. But their actual love story had been really well followed across Europe, across the world, because it was highly unusual. There she is, a female heir to the throne, still an expectation that maybe you'll marry within ability and within royalty. And she fell in love with the bloke who ran her gym. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was actually her sister, Princess Madeline, that she can thank for it because Madeline had been going to the gym and got Victoria to go and told her about the certain personal trainer there. Certain gentleman who worked there. (laughs) Yeah. And Victoria obviously had suffered from an eating disorder when she was younger. So she had become someone who was very conscious of her health and staying in shape. But, not under eating and being healthy and so that also attributed to it because she wanted to go to the gym and stay stay fit stay healthy 
she was quite open, wasn't she, that she'd experienced the kind of, with all the pressure that she found herself up under growing up in the spotlight with yeah. people looking at the whole time, it did have an impact on how she viewed herself. And she did for a time go through an eating disorder, which she came out of with the support of her family. And she, of course, has been fortunately very healthy since. And Daniel's a part of that. Like you said, she went to the gym to keep healthy, but also because Madeline had mentioned this <laughs> handsome man. Mm-hmm. And the rest, as they say, is history. The rest is history. But it was quite a long history, wasn't it? Before they got to the point where they announced their engagement, they dated for quite a while before they took that step towards the altar. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, I think once they they realized, you know, she was determined, that's who she was going to end up marrying he started going through Prince classes where he he knew English but it was improve his English learn about certain structures of things and then when they obviously got engaged I mean that those Prince courses really (laughs) really (laughs) took off learning how the court works and the, the other royal families and everything so they also had been preparing him for a little bit because he's obviously going to be the consort of Sweden one day when she takes the throne. So they had to to prepare him, and I think he'll be a he'll be a really good support system and consort for her. Yeah, because we talk about her as a groundbreaking heir, but he's a groundbreaking consort, isn't he? Because as you say, he's going to be the consort of Sweden. Mm. Now get into the Danish argument about whether that means you're called a king or not. He'll be the prince consort. He'll be the official consort to the queen regnant and it was kind of a real role reversal wasn't it because we've heard of princess classes and there's been books and films made about you know the girl that grows up to be a princess and has to learn the ropes but for him he he kind of had to to set the template didn't he Mm -hmm. and he even says as much in his um wedding speech that the frog was necessarily a prince at the beginning and (laughs) kind of went that route and everything but he worked hard, and what was sad was leading up to his wedding, he had always had kidney issues, so he had to have a kidney transplant in between the engagement and the wedding where his father gave a kidney, so there was a lot of stress in that regard, too, leading up to their happy moment, which took place 34 years exactly after her parents had married in the same same place. Yeah, it was all very symbolic, wasn't it? So we've 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 talked about Daniel and Victoria and the romance. Shall we fast forward to the really exciting bit? To June 2010, where the celebrations really kick off. And as you said, the wedding took place June the 19th, 2010, at her mum and dad's wedding anniversary, which was very sweet and very symbolic as well. Yeah, and, and she even wore the same tiara as well. I thought it was lovely. Yeah, the cameo and, tiara. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it at first, but it grew on me. Mm-hmm. And and the veil too. That was yeah. the veil that had been worn by her mother and mm. her paternal aunts. So she carried that little bit of tradition with her as she walked up the aisle. And well, actually, the entering the the cathedral was a little bit of a controversy. They had to meet. They had to compromise because in Sweden, it was traditional that she would enter the chapel with her with the groom. But she wanted her father to walk her up the aisle. So mm. there was a big debate. So they finally made it to where the king would walk her halfway up the aisle. And then she would meet Daniel and walk the rest of the way. Okay. And so that kind of followed suit with Madeline and and then Sophia as well. 
yeah, she, she made did. her own tradition. Exactly. That's yeah. the thing. It, it was such a symbolic choice, wasn't it, to get married on the same day as her mum and dad. So they got married June the 19th, 1976. He had just become king of Sweden less than three years into his reign. So he got married to Sylvia, who that awful word was a commoner at the time. Mm. Um, and then she walked into Stockholm Cathedral as Miss Summerlath and walked back out as Queen of Sweden. So it was a really obviously major event. And then Victoria chose to walk into that same church exactly 34 years after her mother to marry her own commoner who walked in as Daniel Westling and left as Prince Daniel, Duke of, now you'll have to say it Brittany or Mo, because I can never pronounce this duchy that they share. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to pronounce, but I'll try it. It's not Vastergotland. Well, it's beautiful. <laughs> they all have, have great ones. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he walked out as Prince Daniel, Duke of Vast. The Gotland. <laughs> mm-hmm. There we go. <laughs> so it was kind of it was it was replicating everything. Thirty four years on, wasn't it? It was it was, you know, this kind of very symbolic, very royal wedding, and this whole row about dad giving away. I think they they got round it by saying it wasn't a, a father handing over a daughter. It was the king of Sweden accompanying the future queen. Mm-hmm. This important yeah. day, right. And then it just passed on down, you know, Madeline obviously wanted her dad to give her away and Sophia the same way. So it just became tradition. And I'm sure one day Daniel will do that for Estelle and we'll all be teary eyed thinking about how she's finally grown up and (laughs) married her own prince. Brittany, Brittany, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) (laughs) okay we'll do another podcast on Estelle next week but let's go back to Victoria and Daniel (laughs) so she it was it was mum and dad's wedding anniversary um obviously the first of their three children to marry and she wore the cameo tiara I agree Mo I didn't like it to start off with but for me it's now her wedding tiara and I absolutely love it so whenever I see it I think oh it's gorgeous before that I hate it but now because it all worked so well with that amazing dress I mean her dress is one of the standout royal wedding dresses of the 21st century and actually on paper you would think that's not going to be the case because it's extremely simple yeah it is just perfection yeah and it didn't have the weird stapley thing at the back that trump princess mary had so that's good Mo's over <laughs> that. yeah <laughs> but yeah it just it suited her really well and i think that's really the most important thing in a wedding dress that it works with the person who's wearing it because you can uh you know it has to be comfortable and you have to wear it all day and it has to suit your personality as well. But it's also got to have that air of regality, hasn't it? Because it's the mm. wedding dress of a future queen. So it's got to be impressive. I mean, if you're the heir to the throne, you don't get the option of turning up in a nice little 50 star cocktail dress, do you? With a, no. a sweet fascination, a little posy that you're going to be really comfortable <laughs> in. You've got to have full length. You've got to have a train. It's got to be spectacular. And it really was, but in the possible, you know, the best classic style possible. Yeah. It just suited her really well. It's, it, it was really Victoria's dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for all the symbolism that they added in, the fact that she got married on her mum and dad's wedding anniversary, the fact she wore the same tiara and the same veil, she had the myrtle from Sofiero in her hair, which all Swedish royal brides do. It was Victoria and Daniel's day, wasn't it? Because despite it becoming this national event, despite the fact there was so much focus on it, it really felt like it was all about them. You could just see the love radiating all around and 
Uh, I watched some clips the other day, and just the way they look at each other, it was just that it almost seemed like they didn't even notice everyone around them. They just were in their own little world. Mm-hmm. That they didn't they didn't pay any attention to the cameras or no. anything. Um, they they were there for each other, yeah. which was which was very very sweet. But it was also a very royal royal wedding so if we go back to june the 18th 2010 the night before the marriage that's when we first got our proper dose of regal watching wasn't it because there was a huge gala Mm. on the eve of the wedding where victoria became quite possibly the only bride in the world ever to upstage her own wedding dress by turning up in that fabulous (laughs) eli saab creation the off the shoulder you know the one shoulder was ruffled and it's I mean it, it looks absolutely stunning and you're thinking how's she going to top that she did with the wedding dress but she set the bar pretty pretty high but European royalty came out in force didn't it for that event and for the wedding itself it was a spectacularly royal guest list mm-hmm. oh yeah they were the royals from all over multiple royals from royal families I believe Britain sent the Countess and Earl of Wessex as they Always, always do. <laughs> two royals for an, a European royal wedding. Where is Sophie and Edward? Stick them on the plane. <laughs> send them along. Is just tell them to take the tiara and the suit, and they're ready to go. Yep, they just go. <laughs> and then the wedding party itself was was royal because Victoria had some of her many royal godchildren as her attendants: um, Princess Ingrid Alexandra of Norway. Uh, Prince Christian of Denmark and Princess Amalia there in the Netherlands, all who are future monarchs in their own right in their own countries of Norway, Denmark and the Netherlands. So she made made her mark on that, too. And it was really sweet to see them, their parents bring in the kids who, who were really just mesmerized by all the cameras flashing, not knowing what was going on. What's happening? <laughs> Yeah, it was quite sweet. I think there's a famous picture of Ingrid kind of turning back to her mum and dad to Harkon and Merritt, and they're kind of like, no, it's fine, off you go. But it must just have been so daunting. Okay. Only little, they were like five or six at the time, weren't they? And it's mm-hmm. like suddenly you're in the middle of this major royal event, the biggest one for decades, mm-hmm. and you've just got to smile. And no one knows what to do. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I think that shows how close Victoria is to her godchildren, that she puts the put them in her in her wedding and the videos and stuff that they have of them preparing for the wedding she's giving them hugs and talking to them and everything so she really you know really does care about the many godchildren like i said that she has as the godmother of europe <laughs> yeah if she does a special commemoration 10 years on portrait she'd have even more to stuff in the front row she'd have to go and buy some extra extra outfits because she just keeps accumulating these godchildren as she goes through <laughs> as she goes through her royal life well i want she she doesn't just doesn't have any from the uk i mean I, you know yeah they should have added prince george in there i mean she needed the air at least <laughs> for the uk too. to get the full set she's yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's missing time. that puzzle piece <laughs> there's time you know well if we get another raw baby in the next year or so there's you know she's waiting in the wings i, th- I still think if william and kate have another daughter they'd call her victoria at which point the stage is set she can just sweep <laughs> in with all her expertise as a royal godmother I mean, she's got it down. We all yeah. know she's got it down. She's kind of like, you know that famous phrase that um, Juan Carlos used to use about Queen Sophia? She's the great royal professional. And Victoria kind of is, isn't she, for her generation. She is just 
fantastically good at being a modern royal and that really was on show throughout the whole wedding day it was her wedding it was her and Daniel's big day but it was also a national event the day that Sweden saw its future queen regnant marry and she she did it spectacularly well yeah I just kept thinking throughout the whole thing I wonder when she's going to get a pee break because this has been going on forever <laughs> but she held on <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was great. The, the whole carriage ride and then the boat and the reception later on. She was just perfect. Yeah. And it's kind of become a milestone in Sweden's modern war history, hasn't it? Because as you were saying, Brittany, at the very beginning, she wasn't born heir to the throne. She had no succession rights when she was born. She took over from Carl Philip, who was booted out into the 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 cold <laughs> nether regions of the royal line of succession. <laughs> moved to second place moved to second place and then is shuffling further and further down the line as happens to all spares as time goes on but she um, it's become kind of a moment in Swedish royal history hasn't it, it kind of it set the benchmark really for, for Victoria and Daniel to go forward building a new modern royal family because 10 years on more and more responsibility is falling on their shoulders and they're they're both handling it remarkably well they represent sweden all all across the globe they've you know victoria's done her job in producing the air and the spare they have no worries there yeah they've been especially um visible i think during the these last few months as well because you know the king and queen were in in lockdown essentially and but we've we've continued to see daniel and victoria doing their thing uh, even going out and about at some point so uh that's really good and as time goes on, obviously more and more responsibility does fall to them, but they are becoming seemingly, like you say, Mo, the focal point now of the Swedish royal family. I mean, yeah. um, King Carl the Sixteenth Gustav is in his early seventies. He's, you know, he's yeah. a he's a relatively young man. We know he's very healthy, so their time to rule may still be some way ahead. However, yeah. they do seem increasingly to have become the centre of everything she's hugely popular he's hugely popular the kids are, it, this might be a surprise to you Brittany Estelle lovely little girl <laughs> <laughs> really I didn't I didn't yeah, have yeah. Any idea. <laughs> but going forward it really does seem that they are at the forefront of Sweden yeah and Vic- Victoria has a higher approval rating than her father in Sweden anyway so putting her out there is makes the Swedish people happy obviously so yeah she's very beloved and that's partly down I suppose to the success of the marriage because they're still very very happy they're clearly a lovely family with Estelle and Oscar but Daniel to give him his credit he went from a standing start the gym trainer that some people sneered at didn't they because he came from kind of not necessarily the kind of upper echelons of Swedish society I think at times he was called a bit of a country bumpkin wasn't he and people made fun of the fact that his first name's actually he's Olaf isn't he Olaf Daniel always known yeah. as Daniel but he was and he's accent. he went from that standing start to being really very very good at the royal job mm-hmm. yeah he came from the country not even like suburb i mean it really is the country small town life but he's made the role his own and proved any doubters that were out there wrong yeah (laughs) anyone who sneered at him should 
Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's done well. Yeah, definitely. They have lots to celebrate. It's been a very happy 10 years. It was a fabulous royal wedding and there will be loads of coverage it, of it all on the site on royalcentral.co.uk. Also on Instagram, royal.central. Um, so make sure you follow us there and we will have another podcast for you very soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.